Welcome to the Unorthodox Christian. I'm your host, Friar Tuck, and today we are talking about failure. Now, not in the way that failure is usually talked about in religious circles, and really, it's not focused on sin either. In fact, I want to encourage everyone to go out and fail, and Jesus does too. There's a parable from Jesus that has haunted me with guilt throughout my years, but with new understanding comes new ways of seeing the world and scripture. There's a parable that Jesus told about the days when God would make all things new again. It goes like this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and entrusted them his goods. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and another one one, every man according to his ability. And immediately he took his journey. He who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. So also he who had received two gained another two. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He who had received five talents came and brought the other five talents, saying, Master, you entrusted to me five talents. Look, I've gained five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter the joy of your master. He who had received two talents also came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more talents besides them. His master said to him, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter the joy of your master. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not winnow. So I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have back what is yours. His master answered, You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I do not winnow. Then you ought to have given my money to the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talents from him, and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. And throw the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, there's a lot going on here. In our competitive world... We have created a mindset that failure is frowned upon and success equals mastery of whatever you're doing. We get tricked into thinking that if we are successful in life, we are in the sweet spot. Reality has proven that we learn the most when we fail. Growth comes as we learn from our mistakes far more than when we breeze through without any problems. Now this parable that we just read changes depending on how we look at it. If we come from the mindset that successfulness means we double our investment and the master will be pleased, then we'll be spending our lives measuring our worth by success. But is that what this passage is really saying? To understand this, we must pull back a few layers to see what is behind the story. Jesus is about to be arrested and killed. So he's telling a story to his followers about the day when all things are made new. The master represents God and the people are his servants. God entrusts people with? Well, what does God entrust us with? 
Now, there's been some interpretations which make this about money, which has been used to coerce people to invest in ministry and give more money. Others have used it to guilt people into using their skills to better the church. Some have even gone so far as to make the parable about evangelism and how many people you convince to follow God. This brings us back to the question, what has the master entrusted us with? To answer this, we go back to the very beginning when all things were made. Genesis 1 tells us, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed which is on the face of the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you, to every beast of the earth, and every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth which has the breath of life in it. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. So God makes the world and everything in it, then turns to the humans and entrusts them with all of it. God entrusts people with life. So in the parable, God entrusts people with life. And when those people face God again, the question will be, what did you do with the life I gave you? Our minds want to make this parable about successfulness, but there's an important clue that makes this less about success and more about failure. You see, the first servant invested his money and risked losing it all, but in the end came out with more than he started with. The same is true for the second servant who's given half as much. He risked everything and in the end came away with more. But the last servant did not lose any of his money. The problem was not that he lost all his master's money. The problem was that he played it safe. He maintained the status quo, not gaining as much as a penny. The master was upset that the servant played it safe and did not risk failure. The parable goes on to describe what life will be like for the one who played it safe. They will live in darkness and their life will be garbage. Side note here. The darkness, crying, and gnashing of teeth are not a symbolism for hell. It was an actual place called Gehenna, where the trash was thrown. It was the dump, and often there was a place where dead bodies with disease were thrown into. They would burn the trash, and the wild dogs would go around foraging for food and fighting over it. So this parable is not about going to hell. Instead, it describes what life will be like for those who play it safe in life and don't risk failure. Life will be junk. It'll be meaningless, dark, and depressing. Hell is not for those who lose everything because they failed. It is life for those who never fail and therefore never grow. Listen to the words in Revelation that describe God's reaction to people. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one of the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You see, the point isn't about financial gain and successfulness. It's, it's about what you do with your life. 
God would rather see you fail than become stagnant water that wastes away. God has given us an incredible gift, our lives. And the question is, how much do you want to grow? Here are some quotes that speak to the importance of failure. Success is the ability to go from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. Winston Churchill Failure is only the opportunity to begin again, only this time more wisely. Henry Ford Our greatest glory is not in never failing, but in rising every time we fail. Confucius I've come to believe that all my past failure and frustrations were actually laying the foundation for the understandings that have created the new level of living I now enjoy. Tony Robbins Every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries with it the seed of a greater or equal benefit. Carol Dweck, in her book Mindset, writes, Why waste time proving over and over how great you are when you could be getting better? Why hide deficiencies instead of overcoming them? Why look for friends or partners who will just shore up your self-esteem instead of ones who will also challenge you to grow? And why seek out the tried and true instead of experiences that will stretch you? The passion for stretching yourself and sticking to it, even or especially when it's not going well, is the hallmark of the growth mindset. This is the mindset that allows people to thrive during some of the most challenging times in their lives. With a growth mindset, you realize you never, quote, arrive, because that's not really the point. We are capable of learning great things, doing great things, throughout our entire lives. God gave us the gift of life and said, now go do something with it. Make this world a better place to live. When God created the world, it was good and beautiful. Then he turned to mankind and said, take care of it. Continue to make this good and beautiful place to live. How do we do that? What does it mean to risk failure in life? Well, to start, you need to recognize that you can make a difference. You have amazing potential, and that's a good thing. No one needs a polished, perfect person to make everything better. That's not life. That's God. Life has cycles. It has death and decay. It has bruises and burns. We were created to help each other grow and to love and to encourage. You can do that, right? When we live to make this world a better place, we begin to take risks. And risk means the possibility of failing. I believe this is one of the fundamental flaws of the church. So much focus has been placed on not sinning, i.e. not failing, that we bury ourselves like the servant with the coins. We hide behind polished versions of ourselves and never risk doing the wrong things for the right reasons. Pastors lead by example, of course. They are the loneliest people in the world and, and most whitewashed. Their whole lives depend on keeping up the facade of near perfection. So the church becomes a stagnant pool of water that brings disease and death, not growth and life. What if we forgot about sin and being righteous for a while, and instead gave some license to go out and make mistakes? 
What if we said, go and do something that brings life to the world this week, and then share what happened with someone else? What would happen if we were the kind of people who encouraged failure and helped each other learn from those failures? Does this sound too much like heresy? Well, look at it this way. Immediately following the story of God giving mankind the gift of life and care for the earth, humans begin to fail. The entire Bible is a story after story after story of people failing over and over again and how God worked in their lives to bring goodness out of it. No one had it all together because that's not the point. So, may you risk failure in life pursuing what is good and beautiful. May you create new life and grow throughout the years you have been given. May you spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And most of all, may you risk it all to love deeply anyone and everyone, because in the end, love wins.